Justin, we are at the beginning of a new exciting podcast episode today. Uh, it, we're, we're taping this in September of 2019. Summertime is over. Oh. You know, we actually can look up at the mountains uh, this morning and see some snow on top of the mountains, which is crazy because a week ago we had 95 degree weather. Mm-hmm. We'll probably still have some warm weather, but man, I just can't believe it's it's cooled off. I think we're going to see the colors change uh, pretty quickly. But we had a pretty crazy summer. Mm-hmm. How do you think 2019's been so far with our business? It's been a little up and down, to be honest with you. There hadn't been a lot of consistency, and and of course they keep monkeying with the rates. And we've seen some major swings this year. In fact, I can't think of another year where we've seen nearly 5% rates and all the way down to nearly 3%. So it has been a roller coaster, frankly. But we've had a good year because we've added quite a bit to our portfolio. I mean, we've taken advantage, certainly, of these uh, lower rates. And right now, people are asking, even people who hadn't considered maybe buying a home, they're asking, how do we get started here? Yeah. Because these rates that we're seeing certainly, you know, bring people into the market. It's possible for them on these lower rates. May not have been possible early in the year when it, rates were almost five yeah. percent. It it really gets people off the fence. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of people that have saying, Oh, I'm waiting for this condition to be present in our market or that condition to be present in our market. And I'm just like, hey, let's get you in the market. And some of that is education. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this leads into the topic today of our podcast is what do first time home buyers or maybe a home buyer that just hasn't been in the market for a while. I right. mean, a lot of our clients are experienced home buyers, but they haven't bought or sold a home in years. <laughs> decades. So w- decades in a lot of cases. So what do they need to know? Um, that's really, this buyer consultation is really where I like to start my relationship off with uh, yeah. my buyer clients. Right. And if they'll come on in and see me and we'll talk for an hour, we'll talk about their specific situation. Um, and then we kind of go through the home buying process. If they'll come in and do that with me, I find that they'll actually have a much better foundation to start and a much better experience throughout. We set the appropriate expectations in that meeting. And I think overall, it's really, really helpful. You and I may maybe approach this um, home buyer consultation a little bit differently. I don't mm-hmm. generally sit in with your home buyer consultations. Yeah, I just, um, all I do is I just tell people you've called the right guy, and I'm going to handle everything, and you have no worries. Justin, will. and I will just tell you to sign here and sign there, and before you know it, you'll be in your home. Justin, I mean, that's will hold your way. hand through the whole process. I mean, <laughs> we're certainly here to do that, but you and I have always had this philosophy about uh, philosophy about educating oh, yeah. people yeah. Uh, through this process. So. If I'm a first-time home buyer or a home buyer just hasn't been in the market for a long time, what is the first thing do you think I should do? Honestly, and I this is just a pitch for us and other realtors, I really think you ought to ask around uh, and get yourself a good real estate agent. I think that's the number one thing you need to do because a good real estate agent is going to put you in touch with a great lender. And that's really where it starts. But I'm just saying, you know, you've got to find a great real estate broker. And I think maybe we do another podcast completely on how to choose a great buyer's agent. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it starts with, you know, uh, finding somebody that has the heart of a teacher. And that's what Dave Ramsey always says. We've been affiliated with Dave Ramsey's organization since 2008. We've served over 170 families within that program, most of them, a lot of them, not most of them, but a lot of them. 
buyers, yeah. first-time home buyers, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm glad they found us and that we found them. But uh, finding a great real estate broker, and then let's be real serious about getting a pre-qualification. Why is that important uh, for them and for us? But why is that so important to start there? Well, we don't want to get anybody's hopes up. That's a big, okay? that's a big so part of it. So I can't tell you how many times I've gotten, you know, as a, big, as a new agent, I'd show a home that somebody would fall in love with, and I didn't get them appropriately pre-qualified or get them in touch with a lender. So they would fall in love with that home, and then they would go see the lender about it, Not a chance. Not a chance. And so what a lender is able to do is um, help the buyer set some parameters, set some criteria. Okay, Depending on what type of financing they can qualify for, that's obviously going to help us know what price. Um, That depends on... You know, the debt-to-income ratio it depends on how much down payment they have, whether there's a cosigner involved, what kind of property we can be looking at. Mm-hmm. If all they can qualify for is an FHA loan, um, then we need to be looking at properties that are in, that are in pretty good condition yeah. or in communities, for example, in the case of a townhome or a condo, that is FHA eligible. Um, some of our buyers may not have a down payment, but in other ways they are very well qualified and so we may need to have them take advantage of a a, a, a certain loan program like the rural housing program yeah. that is geographically restricted and so by having a lender tell us that i know that i can only look at things uh, west of the jordan river for example here in utah county and south of spanish fork because those are the areas that qualify in that rural housing program so Having a lender get you, getting you really thoroughly pre-qualified is uh, really important to help us identify the parameters. I know that was a long answer to your question. There are some other reasons why they should get qualified first. And, and maybe let's just talk about it. I mean, people are, are a little bit fearful, like this is some long, drawn-out process. The reality is if you call our mortgage broker, he would send you a one-page application. After he views that information, uh, he would call you back with some additional questions. He, at that point, he'll make a decision if it's worth pulling your credit. He'll pull your credit, ask a few more questions. I mean, this process could be as quick as 24 hours, yeah. 48 hours, if you're willing to just get that information to yeah. him. So it's not something long and drawn out. Now, there is a difference between a pre-qualification and a pre-approval. We'd love for our buyers to get a pre-approval. Well, what does that mean? A pre-qualification is a loan officer takes a look at all of your information and says, yeah, on paper, looks pretty good. A pre-approval is when you've brought in your supporting documents. You've got tax returns to them. You verified the source of your down payment, which for most people is sitting in the bank, but it may not be. It could be that you're getting a gift from somebody or it could be from the sale of a a home or it could be from an inheritance or it could be a number of different things. And so you're looking at um, verifying employment. A loan officer can get you to a point where they have a desktop underwritten approval. Right. That makes you an awesome buyer. And in fact, when we pitch the offer that we write for you to a listing agent in a multiple offer situation, and we can say, these guys aren't pre-qualified, but they're pre-approved with our mortgage broker that we've done business with for 18 years, it's music to that listing agent's ears. So it's not a long and lengthy process. It's fairly simple. But you got to be Johnny on the spot and get this information to a loan officer. doesn't take very long. But as soon as you've got that pre-qualification letter, hey, let's get out there and 
see some homes. Right. But not until that point. Otherwise, we're showing you the wrong things in many cases. I, I think that's a very, very good advice. We want to be showing you homes that you can qualify for. Mm-hmm. So just to recap, uh, you know, we want to make sure that you are qualified, what the parameters are. And as Justin just mentioned, just to unpack that a little bit, it's so critical for us to be able to accompany the offer that you may write with a strong letter of pre-qualification, if not a desktop underwritten pre-approval, so that we can convince the seller that you have done your due diligence in terms of getting your financing, that if they go with you, there's a very high likelihood that you're going to get that financing. If we can't, as your agent, uh, tell the seller or the listing agent that uh, you are a very well-qualified buyer, you are likely not going to get that yeah. offer accepted. Well, a great listing agent is going to ask a lot of questions. In fact, some of them do even a little bit more due diligence. They'll call the loan officer. Oh, I do all the time now. And um, and and so, you know, if you're working with us, and we know so many of the agents, so many of the brokers in this county, they want to do business with us because they know that when we've got a buyer that's yeah. qualified and when we say they're working with our loan officer... These people put a lot of stock in us. Yeah, it's very true. This so is our a reputation relationship is, uh, and a reputation on business. the line. We yeah. want you to be fully qualified, if if at all possible. So. Absolutely. There's a lot to discuss with financing. I think we'll move on from there, but um, you know, we, we can get you in touch with great lenders. Uh, Keith Snow, a security home mortgage, has been our preferred lender mm-hmm. for 17 or 18 years. Yeah. And he does and a phenomenal job. Keith's got zero down programs. He's got FHA. He's got conventional at 5%. He, he has a way that a buyer can avoid mortgage insurance yeah. for as little as 7% down. We can do 10% down. We can do 20. Uh, we can eliminate Keith completely if you have cash. <laughs> oh, by the way, even cash buyers, there is some due diligence that a listing agent sure. will go through. Uh, they'll make you a lot of times provide um, a letter from funds. your uh, letter from your banker or something like that, proof of funds, to make sure they're truly dealing with somebody that has yeah. cash. Uh, very good. So uh, we've got the green light from the loan officer, mm-hmm. feeling really good about your chances to get the financing. People come to me all the time and they say, we want to buy a home. And I started asking him, okay, well, what does that look like? What needs do you have? What areas are you interested in? Oh, well, it's, we're, we're not that picky, and we'll be anywhere from Santa Quinn to Salt Lake. Ooh. That kind of buyer is very, very difficult to service because yeah. we need more than that to build searches and to start looking for opportunities for them. Yeah. So what kinds of things should buyers be trying to decide? What what criteria can we use to search for a home for them? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, we're happy to show you plenty of homes. That's not a sure. problem. But if you have a huge geographical area that you're looking at, Santa Quinta Lehigh is really not that uncommon. Some people are, are willing to do that. They work in Provo Orem, which is dead smack in the middle of the, the county, and, and they just drive up I-15. You ought maybe to spend some time on a Sunday afternoon with a bunch of listings in hand, either on the apps that we use or we're happy to print you a list of homes, swing by the office and get them. And you ought to be driving by some of these. And I think you'll quickly see that there are neighborhoods you could eliminate. There are whole communities that you could eliminate. Sure. Um, and so I think there's some legwork that a buyer can do uh, if they've got that kind of a geographical yeah. area. 
But what you're saying is, what does a house look like? Because people have come from different backgrounds. We came from Montana. We were raised on 45 acres. Some people have that background. They want a half an acre. They want an acre. If they got a lot of money, they can have two acres. <laughs> it's getting that <laughs> even way. more, even more. But uh, some people uh, came from more of a maybe an an urban area, so they're fine with a townhome, or they're fine with a, a condo, or or maybe they have budgetary restrictions, or maybe they don't. Maybe they got all the money in the world, but they just like townhome living. And I could introduce you to some luxury townhomes that knock your socks off. They look beautiful. So um, that's a that's a good question for people to tell us. Well, and and of course we have the capability to design a search with mm-hmm. a very specific criteria. And so first of all, we want to know what the price is. We've determined that with the lender, uh, whether they're uh, interested in having a townhome, because again, some people would prefer that over a single family home. Maybe they're looking for a duplex. We've talked in other episodes about you know, buying a duplex, living in one side, renting out the other. But uh, other parameters that are important would be, you know, uh, the price, we talked about price range, garage or no garage, carport or no carport, number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, size in terms of square footage, lot size, location, style. I have people tell me all the time, we don't like split levels, you know, mm-hmm. or they need a rambler because of maybe some mobility issues. So we yeah. really got to determine what they're looking for there. Year built. I mean, somebody might say, hmm. You know, I'm a little nervous uh, with homes that are pre-1980 or something oh, like that. So my, my favorite homes in this valley are 1970s brick ramblers. Yeah, no, I agree. But I'm just saying <laughs> these are things we can then input yeah. into our MLS and other searching tools. Yeah, and I would say as a, as a buyer in some price ranges, maybe a first-time home buyer or somebody that's playing it really conservatively, don't put too many parameters in that search. It might yield zero results. So let's keep it kind of loose. And so for me, I think the most important is price. There's an old saying that you can that you drive until you can afford, right? And uh, so price, I think, is number one. And then number two is can we try to get you into an area that you'd be really happy with with a very short commute? And then bedroom, bathroom is really important. And um, you'd be surprised. So, so people come to us and they say, I want a quarter of an acre. Well, a quarter of an acre doesn't sound like much, but I'll tell you, that's a huge refiner. In our searches, yeah, I mean it's huge, and you know you can have homes that um, the way they sit on the lot, uh, you can have lots at point one seven that look as big as a quarter. It just depends on how the home yeah. that sits on the lot there. So, I would say keep some of those parameters loose. Now, if you're in the upper ranges, we respect that you probably know what it is that you want, yeah. and we can design these searches f- very finely. Uh, if you want hardwood floors, we can find you homes with hardwood floors. I hope you don't do that. Again, you can always add hardwood floors to a home. But, but I think uh, the point is is well taken. I mean, in some buyers' cases, if you're too narrow, it's not going to yield yeah. any kind of results. Yeah. But we do also work with buyers that perhaps are in upper ends, mm-hmm. and they can get more specific yeah. on their search criteria. You know, sometimes we start out with a buyer, and in all price ranges, they're not quite sure what they're looking for. So that's why... Stop sitting behind a computer and surfing through 100 listings and trying to figure out which ones you want to see. Honestly, let's go see some of those homes. And, sure. you know, once we show you 10 to 15 homes, man, we got you dialed in. We know exactly what you want. I'll go pick out a home. 
In fact, stay home in your nice, comfortable <laughs> recliner, and I'll go pick out a home and have you send the papers. But it, it and and sometimes we get really dialed in on a home, and that that makes it pretty easy in some price ranges. Yeah, as we go out and look at homes, we're going to be listening to your comments. Yes, we're going to be asking talk to you us. questions. We're going to be. Um, really listening to you and looking at your response to certain things. And that's going to help us then to start to refine, refine, and narrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, like you say, we get to the point where when a home comes out on the market, we know that's the one for yeah. Mr. and Mrs. You know, so-and-so because yeah. we've seen 20 homes with them already. Right. So uh, the first outing is really catching up on the existing inventory. Yeah. And there may be upwards of 10 homes that you could go out and see. And we can do that in one outing, by the way. We line these up all geographically. We've got them all tightly scheduled. It's nice and yeah. nifty to have somebody do that for you. So the first couple of outings is really catching up on the existing inventory. And then once we've caught up, if there's nothing there that you like, what do we do at that point to make sure that we're getting these listings to you literally within hours? Well, buyers, buyers and agents have a lot of resources these days that we didn't have 10, 15 years ago. And so um, one of the big ones is for Justin and I to be able to set uh, criteria into the multiple listing service. And what it does is it notifies us on a daily basis. And I've got some that are notifying me twice a day or more mm-hmm. um, for certain things. When, when something comes out, when the price is reduced, when maybe it goes from under contract back to active on the market, it triggers a notification. I can then review that listing and get that to you. And by having an agent doing that for you in a hot market like we are, and especially oh, yeah. if you're after a, a certain type of uh, a property that's in high demand, we're able to get on that very, very quickly, and that is so, so critical. So we have the ability to do that through the multiple listing service. We also have an awesome website. Uh, if you haven't been to it, it's at homebasicsrealestate.com, homebasicsrealestate.com. We actually have the data from the, uh, the, our local multiple listing service, and there are search tools on that. That's free access to you. And so a lot of the homes that we're selling these days are homes that our clients have actually found through uh, our website. And they're sending me over a link. Or actually, you can communicate through through our website to us about homes you're interested in by marking them as favorites or requesting a showing. And I love that because they're doing some searching yeah. on their own. And oftentimes, they're sending me listings that really don't meet the criteria that they've given me. You know, a home comes up and it's it's in the same neighborhood that they grew up and it's $20,000 more than the price range and they, that they put mm-hmm. me in, but they're, they can do that. And that's the home sometimes they end up buying. Yep. So I love it when my buyers are actually searching. Interactive. On, and they're interactive and they're responding to listings that we're sending them. Now, a word of caution. I know people love to be on Zillow. And there are other websites out there the frustrating thing is, is that these sites are not um, regulated like the multiple listing services. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, if we have a home, a listing, we put it under contract with a buyer, we need to mark that as under contract on a buyer. When it's sold, we need to mark that as sold. On Zillow, you could you could send over ten listings, and you know, eight of those have uh, already under contract. Uh, you know, one of them's already sold. Mm-hmm. One of them's pre foreclosure. Yeah. They're not. There's a bunch of homes that are not really on the market. Right. 
that can be super frustrating. So I would suggest that they stick with a website like homebasicsrealestate.com yeah. so that they're getting good, yeah, it's the public version. Uh, you know, the public version of the MLS is utahrealestate.com. Yeah. We have a direct feed from utahrealestate.com on our website. And um, so it's important. And let's call Zillow what it is. It's just a novelty. And that's all it is. What it's it a really is website. is that uh, agents join at certain levels. Uh, they put pay into this, uh, this website and many others like it. And as soon as you put your information in there, guys, you're on their it, list forever. It's a, it's a, lead, it's a lead generator yeah. for agents. It doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> with you yeah, finding the right home. I mean, it is fun. It's fun to go and see what your neighbor's home worth, sure. which is totally and completely off. But if you're really the in the market... You've got to be looking those at tools. great, good yeah. data. Yeah. Okay. So you find one. What do you do about it? Yeah. It reminds me of the old Beyonce song. <laughs> I have no idea which one that would be. Please tell me. If you like it, then you better put a ring on it. Okay. If nice. you like it, then you better put an offer on it. I mean, honestly, it doesn't cost you anything to put an offer on a home. Right. Um. And if you like it, chances are, unless you're some weirdo, chances are somebody else is going to like it. Yeah. I've had buyers over the years say, oh, I really like this home. My cousin's a plumber. I'm, I'd like to bring him through before I make an offer. Are you kidding me? Let's yeah. put that puppy under contract, then bring your cousin through because, yeah. and this is what we're, where we're going. We're going to talk yeah, about we'll what happens about when that. you find one, the, uh, the ability to, to do your due diligence on it. But the best homes... You have a window of opportunity of as little as 48 hours, sometimes as little as 24 hours. Can you believe it? Very, very short window of opportunity. <sighs> so um, it sounds like a bit of a sales pitch for us to say, yeah, I hate offer saying on that. it, offer on it, I offer know. on it. You you know, in the in a slower market, you'd see a home, you'd think about it for a while, you'd call your buddy <laughs> that's a plumber, days. you'd go attend the church on Sunday, see if it's something you like, then you'd put an <laughs> offer on it. It's not the case. You now need to offer on it and then think about it secondly. And I hate to say that, but that is the reality. And if you do it in the reverse order, you're going to be losing out over and over and over again. So So when there's a home that you like and you want to put an offer on it, we make this easy. It... We, we used to be able to bring people in and we'd put it on the big screen and we'd go through the entire offer. We can still do that and love to do that for buyers. Sometimes buyers just can't do that. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we used to collect wet signatures, right? People would sign, sign the offer after we got done explaining to them. Now it's a little bit different. Uh, sometimes while I'm driving back to the office, I'm calling our assistant and she can prepare an offer for you. And then uh, it is set up for you to sign digitally through your email a digital signature provider. Right. And if you want further explanation over the phone, man, we are so happy to provide that for you. What's another alternative, though? Well, that, that's that's the thing. I mean, this is a whole nother consultation I'll do with buyers. When they're ready to make an offer, we want to go through the real estate purchase contract. As you said, that's not always possible. Justin actually took the time when the new real estate purchase contract came out made some pretty good updates, I think in 2017, it's been a couple yeah. years already. Mm-hmm. He took the time to record himself explaining paragraph by paragraph. And it's a YouTube video. Maybe we could link it up with the show notes, but super helpful. Yeah. Uh, so very you, good response on that. Yeah, you receive the offer in your email, and then on the same device or another device, you click on this YouTube link, and yeah. it is me in front of a camera, and I'm going through every paragraph. Yeah and explaining it to you. And we've had tremendous feedback because sometimes we write an offer, 
what's the latest you've ever written an offer? Oh, well, well into the night. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we do that, and you don't want to be on the phone with us for 30 minutes yeah. uh, when you can watch a, a, a video in 17 minutes, yeah. I think it is. So, so it's have, a good tool. It's a great tool. We want you to use that. Now, writing an offer is more, though, than it's, it's more than just calling up the seller or the listing agent and say, hey, my client is offering $305,000 yeah, for that be house. something a little more formal. It, we actually put we actually put all of the terms of your offer onto the real estate purchase contract, and that's a document that's several pages long. There's also likely going to be an addendum or maybe a couple of different addenda that further explain the terms of yeah. your offer. And so we're going to fill all that out. We're going to collect digital signatures on that. We're going to make sure that you understand what you're signing and what you're initialing. We're going to then submit that offer with your letter of prequalification to the listing agent. We're also going to put some notes in there. Mm -hmm. We might explain to the listing agent a little bit about you, about your journey to be, be, be arriving to get to this offer, How, like that we've shown you a lot of homes, that you're well qualified, that this home works well for your family because of these reasons. Yeah. So we can put a few personal notes there that I think and I find helpful as oh, a yeah. listing agent. Well, sellers do all the time. And sellers they want, want to know, know that kind of information as well. And so we're going to put all that together. Now, we're going to give this to the seller, and then what is the seller going to do? What can they do with that offer? Well, they have a couple of options. They could accept. Man, does that happen very often? Not yeah. on the first time, and not that often, no. It can happen. So sometimes the sellers have a lot of input that they need to put in there. Closing dates, or they don't like, well, let's start with the price. <laughs> they may not like your price. Yeah. They may not like all your closing costs. They might want more earnest money. They don't like that you're asking for a home warranty. Uh, there's deadlines in there that are too long. Um, when is possession? I mean, there's so much to negotiate through. So they can take a look at this thing, and they can either accept if it was amazing, or they're going to counteroffer you on an, on an addendum. Yeah. And, uh, and then we're going to take a look at that, and you're going to formulate maybe a counteroffer. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to counteroffer the counteroffer the counteroffer their right. counteroffer of your original offer, yeah. and it, and yeah. and it goes back and forth. And that that process, if we've got two you know willing parties, a buyer and a seller, can actually go pretty quickly. Within forty eight hours, we might have you under contract. Yeah. Or here's a third option a seller could use. Doesn't happen very often. And I'll tell you, I get so mad when a seller will do this. Although sometimes we've encouraged them to, sure. they just flat out reject you. Yeah. If you're going to come in with a really, really low ball offer on a really nice home, you you may not even get a formal rejection. You're just going to get silence. Yeah, right? silence. And then the agent <laughs> might say, look, I presented the offer. They laughed hmm. at it. And yeah, we have four more offers on the table. Yeah, They're all higher than yours. Okay. So we're going to go back and forth until everybody is satisfied with the terms. The buyer and seller come to an agreement. We sign an acceptance on the last addendum. We are then under contract. Yeah. Okay. This triggers so much. And so this starts to trigger a whole series of events. Justin and I, as buyer's agents, as real estate agents, are here to walk you through the steps necessary to get this closed. Yeah. One of the things I just want to point out and maybe have you explain to our listeners is, is earnest money. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, when I first talk to them about earnest money, they've never heard of the term. Right. So tell us about what you know, tell us what earnest money is. Well, earnest money simply is a deposit. I mean, you're earnestly trying to buy the seller's home, but you have rights 
you have got some contingencies that you've got to get over, some hurdles, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and so if everything checks out, you're going to buy this home. But this deposit makes the seller feel warm and comfortable about taking their home off the market because if you go under contract with a seller, they mark it as such on the multiple listing service. It doesn't even show up in searches that buyers might be doing. Right. So you can see what a risk it is for a seller to take their home off the market and wait for you to do your home inspection and get your appraisal done and get your financing and bring your family through and get the yeah. stamp of approval from Uncle Ed who's going to give you the you know the gift money or whatever. Right. So the earnest money is a deposit. And it's important that you <laughs> pay attention to the directions that we're going to give you because you have four calendar days from when you go under, accept, uh, when you go under contract uh, you've got four calendar days to get us that money. Mm-hmm. And it better be good funds. It's got to clear, yeah. too. Yeah, it is actually deposited. In most cases, it's deposited into the buyer's brokerage trust account. Yeah. Okay. Now, how much earnest yeah. money? Okay, it's so... Ne- now, this is negotiable, but let's negotiable. give some examples All right, of so how much. I'll tell you, a listing agent just gets pretty mad when you don't offer substantial earnest money, frankly. And that varies from market to market. So for me, on a $300,000 home, I'd like to see $2,000 earnest money. But we get offers with $500 earnest money. You know what we do with those ones? Counter them every time. And you know what? If we counter you as a buyer on, on, we love everything about your offer, but we hate the $500 earnest money, we counter you. It keeps that offer. It keeps the home available. Yeah. For another buyer to just slide sure. in and totally interrupt your yeah. your your uh, negotiation there. So for me, two thousand dollars for a three hundred thousand dollar home. If you're writing up four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar homes, you know you're looking at five thousand because it makes such a good imp- impression yeah. uh, to the seller. And and why wouldn't you? I've had Californians. It makes wire up a hundred thousand dollars earnings because because they're trying to prove it a makes point. a statement. It makes, makes a, a statement. statement about the seriousness of your offer. And a good buyer, and this is what we coach our buyers to do. They understand what the earnest money is. It's part of your down payment. Yeah, and it is completely refundable. Your earnest okay. money is completely so, refundable as long as you work within the deadlines of the contract. Yeah, and uh, if something if goes wrong, we get you out. We get your earnest money yeah. out. But at the very end of the day, if all of your deadlines have passed and you decide you're not closing on that home, well, then you're going to lose your earnest money if you back out. And yeah. you should, because you've held the seller off the market for 30-plus days, yeah. and they got to go find another buyer. And they may have, gosh, that seller may have, have a home under contract themselves yeah. that they want to buy. So earnest money is really important. It's got to be done within four calendar days. Otherwise, it invalidates the contract. It's one of the only ways that a seller can get out of a contract is if you don't post that earnest money on time. Yeah. But then what happens? Well, so the earnest money is, is really critical. It makes a statement... It is refundable up to a certain point. And just to back up, once you go under contract, you haven't you haven't married this property. Well, I know. You just like put a ring on it. That's what you I said. You just put a ring on it. You're, you're dating this, <laughs> this property. And so there are contingencies that are built in that allow you to get out of the contract if you don't like what you're seeing. Yeah. Now, the first uh, deadline and first contingency on the purchase contract is the seller's responsibility to disclose to you as the buyer anything that they know that's wrong with the property or has gone wrong. And they do this through a document called the Seller's Property Condition Disclosures. So you receive those from the seller as the buyer along with some other disclosures. Mm-hmm. They might have, they're going to give you a commitment for title insurance. 
Maybe this has a rental component mm-hmm. to it, so they're going to give you the leases. If it's in a homeowners association, they owe you all of the information like CCNRs, uh, rules and regulations, and things like that that govern the community. Um, you're going to want to dig into the financials, yeah. uh, the minutes of the HOA, etc. So you then have a chance as a buyer to review that information. If there's something on that disclosure that you don't like and it's a deal breaker, let's pull the plug on that contract. So if there's if they're disclosing to you some serious foundational issues, yeah, it has to be something, something like pretty that. serious. But yeah, you're right. You can pull the contract at that point. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's the first backdoor or contingency uh, reserved for the buyer in this yeah. contract. And that is usually about seven days after you go to a contract. You should have all the information. Yeah. The seller's disclosures. That's a packet of information. Yeah. What's the next one? Well, then you're going to go on to due diligence, and that means a lot more than what buyers think. Uh, due diligence is an all-encompassing deadline. And I hate to be that loose with it because then buyers get you know, ideas. I mean, it, honestly, if you went out of the house and the sun weren't shining that day, I suppose you could pull out based on due diligence. But what it's really used for is let's hire a great home inspector. Now, we've got three long-time uh, home inspectors that you can choose from. You call them up on a Monday. They're out there on a Wednesday afternoon or a Thursday morning. That's typically the time frame for them. A home inspector is going to do most of the evaluations for you. They're gonna be on the roof, in the attic, in the crawl space, side to side. They're gonna fill up your tub and watch it drain. They're going to, they're going to do, uh, they can do radon tests, they can do uh, you know, a mold, mold test, tests. they can do meth tests, they yeah. can do all these things. So just alone hiring a home inspection is a big part of what you need to do on that home, but it's not everything, because there's more that you could do to evaluate a property. Sure. Yeah, we actually um, want to give we give you a uh, buyer due diligence checklist, mm-hmm. which is a great form that gets your mind spinning on things you could do. So, if there's any question as to where the boundary lines are, you could do a boundary survey. If you want to know what the crime rate's been in there, you have an opportunity to go contact the police department, see what kind of crime rates. If you wanted, if the schools are important to mm-hmm. you, you want to check out the ratings for the schools. Um, there's a number of different things you could do. There's geologic testing, there's soil testing, but we're not recommending you do all of those things. It's just to get your mind spinning and working on things yeah. that, that, that you should be thinking about. So it's all encompassing. You can do whatever you want to evaluate yeah. that. Not only the home, but the property and the neighborhood yeah. and uh, the community, etc. The zoning, what you can do with the property, and so. The, but the home inspector is the the best place to start. Now, there's tons mm-hmm. of home inspectors out there. Oh yeah. Um, and they're, they're really not licensed. They're really not regulated by the state, so anybody can call themselves a home inspector. And that's why we've narrowed it down to three home inspectors. You can use whoever you want, but we just want to make sure that you guys end up with a great home inspector who produces a great report and is really knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And so we'll help you through that process and maybe the process of doing some of these other due diligence. items you know there's no such thing as a perfect home and we make that very clear even new construction even new construction these home inspectors find things so here we have this discussion after your home inspection comes back and and you know you depending on the age of the home i would tell you yeah you're scared of of the things that came back but this is just common to the age or we'd say no this is really an issue that i think is pretty significant and we will always back up a client we'll never try to sugarcoat it and smooth things over if there's some real issues you know we're going to let you know and so there is the opportunity in some cases not all cases to go back to the seller and say hey we would like you to fix a couple of things here although the state has told us 
they don't want us negotiating repairs anymore. What the state really wants us to do, if there's some issues that are legitimate, is to go after a financial concession, which might be a reduction in the price of the home, or it might be that the seller contributes more towards your closing costs so that you don't have to pay your closing costs out of pocket. That frees up cash to then go ahead and make some of these repairs. But getting over due diligence is always a big big hurdle. hurdle. A uh, couple, couple more comments on on that. Uh, so you negotiate with the seller to to uh, again do what Justin just said, maybe give you some sort of concession. If they decide, Justin, that they are say, hey, take it or leave it, and, some and they don't give are. you any kind of concession, then what is your option as a buyer? Yeah, I mean, sometimes this home is a attra- sometimes home attracts three or four offers. Yeah. So when you're coming in and you're you know you're addressing these issues and they might be legitimate issues. Sometimes the seller has this mentality. Well, I got people waiting in line to buy this thing, yeah. and so they don't really concede anything, and they don't have to. So the ball is in your court. You know, as a buyer, the real estate purchase contract is heavily slanted towards buyers. Yeah, it is. So the ball is in your court. So then, what that means is you can either cancel the deal at that point and get your earnest money back. Or move forward with closing on that transaction yeah. and accepting the condition that it's in. Now, right. I would much rather know these things going into it than finding this out after you close on the deal. Yeah. So doing that due diligence is important. Mm-hmm. How much time does a buyer generally have to complete that due diligence? If you want to make your offer look really strong, you're not asking the seller for two weeks to get a home inspection done and do your due, due diligence. I mean, it would be great to get this done inside of 10 days. Yes. And, and that's so that you don't waste your time because there may be an opportunity that comes and goes on the market and so that you don't waste the seller's time either. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to make your offer look good, all of your deadlines are always going to be tight. Now, if you back out based on due diligence, you get your earnest money back, you are out the cost of home inspection because the yeah. buyer does pay for their home inspection, but that's okay. That's a sunk cost yes. in trying to p- pursue the, the purchase of a really great property for yeah. you that works. Home inspection is probably going to cost you, just for your information, 400 yeah. to, to 600 depending on what things right. you want tested and what things you want serviced. So we get over this hurdle, and then there's almost a little bit of a handoff that you are going to the loan officer, and he should have all of your documentation at this point, he or she, uh, and they should be working on things, but there's this handoff. We know this is a good property. Let's start financing this because the last thing we want to do is send out the home inspection and send out the appraisal at the same time. They're both done about the same time, same week, and one of those fails. Maybe it doesn't inspect well. Well, you're paying for the home inspection, but you might also be paying for the appraisal. So that's why it's one hurdle at a time. Pass off to our loan officer and then you're getting real, real uh, focused on on yep. getting your financing done. Yep. So then the next deadline is well, it's it's this it's this appraisal and financing deadline. They're they're negotiated in as one deadline, but they are two different things. So the mm-hmm. appraisal is ordered by the loan officer. The bank wants to know that they're lending on collateral that's that's worth the amount that they're lending on, and. The buyer does not have an obligation to buy the home if it does not appraise for value. So if it appraises low, we've got a problem. We need to renegotiate with the seller. Maybe we need to re- we need to drop some closing costs, drop some repairs. Yeah, we'd ask restructure to do. the, the got, deal. Sometimes have to restructure the deal. 
But if we can't come to terms, because the seller is not obligated to lower his, no. his or her price. Mm-mm. So if we can't come to terms, then you have an opportunity to back out and get your earnest money back. At that point, you're now out the cost of the appraisal and the cost of the home inspection. Mm-hmm. But again, that's okay. But we've been very, very successful in most cases in negotiating through an appraisal issue by restructuring the deal. Yeah, appraisers are kind of funny. Uh, we might have a home that had multiple offers on it, and it got bid up, and there's four or five buyers willing to pay X amount of dollars, and that appraisal comes in below. Yeah. And that's frustrating for people. And so I that's a podcast in and of itself. I sat down and did a video last year because we were experiencing appraisal issues we we have for many years. Sure. And uh, so let's not necessarily get into that, but right. let's just tell you that you that's one of your contingencies. It's got to appraise. Okay. It's got to appraise. Next one is the financing. I mentioned that this is usually one deadline. Yeah, it's called the appraisal. It's the financing financing and appraisal deadline. deadline. And that is usually, again, to make your offer look really attractive to the seller, you might expedite this deadline as well as others. But usually we're negotiating 20, sometimes I can get away with 25 days um, for this financing and appraisal deadline. Talk about the financing part of this deadline. Yeah, so your financing is not going to be done, but the appraisal should be back, and the loan officer has a has a very good sense that you're going to get this loan. And then once they have the appraisal, all of your supporting documents, everything's been verified, they send it to a human, a real human <laughs> underwriter. Not the desktop underwritten approval that you the might com- have had the previously, computer, uh, but a real human being, and it's usually somebody that just... Oh, is, uh, well, they're a special breed, underwriters, yes. right? And <laughs> we yell at them. It's a special them. talent. All the, it is a special talent. They, yeah. they are making sure that that, that that file meets all the qualifications, and they're going through it with a fine-tooth comb. You better not have lied about anything. That's loan fraud, first it's of all. It's loan fraud. But they will get found catch out. you. They'll, They'll catch, catch you. you. And so that underwriting process can take up to 48 hours. And then uh, it'll come out of underwriting. And once in a while, there'll be a condition or two that needs to be satisfied. You might have to write a letter because you have a $650 deposit in your account in the last 30 days. And that would be abnormal. And you might just say, yes, because I sold my bike on the classifieds or whatever. Yeah. And here's the bill of sale. Um, It can get a little bit silly. And what what you got to do is just have the attitude that, hey, they won't give me the loan without providing this information. It's the golden rule. You've heard the golden golden rule. rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Yeah. That's why I have the golden microphone. Anyway, uh, so you've got to get through that process um, and have your financing pretty well in hand. Let's say it goes through underwriting. There's some conditions that come out and you're just not able to get the loan or there's some conditions that come out that make the loan terms not attractive to you now. So what can you do? Well, the way the real estate purchase contract is written is that you as a buyer have all these outs. I feel bad for sellers sometimes because it says if you are not satisfied with the terms and conditions of the loan, you can get out. And so... All you'd have to say is, I'm unsatisfied. And then you send in the paperwork and then you're out of that deal. You shouldn't do that, though. It really Well, yeah, but let's really say your mortgage insurance. No, no, I'm just saying you shouldn't take advantage of that clause no, because it is so loose that yeah. somebody can get out of there without any problem at all. But, you know, if you didn't get the rates you were looking to get, the mortgage insurance is higher than you got. By the time you add in your or you just taxes get a rejection. And your insurance, <laughs> you know, that you're not, you're not liking the terms or you get a rejection. 
again, you can then back out, get your earnest as money. As long as you do so before that deadline expires. As expired. long as you do this by this deadline. Okay. Once all these deadlines have passed. Earnest money goes hard. Earnest money becomes non-refundable. You yeah. need to understand that. Yeah. And then, you know, it comes down to underwriting. Things look good. They generate what's called a closing disclosure. The buyer has to uh, sign for that, that they've received it. And then we had to sit around for three days twiddling our thumbs. Well, a closing we could... disclosure, just to, just well, to you should let people, you don't want to go more. too far into it. But basically, it just... It says, okay, here are all the terms of the loan. Here's what your monthly payment is. This is how much you're going to pay over an interest over the life of the loan. This is, you know, the balance of the loan, the interest rate. It discloses all those numbers as well as all of your closing costs to close this loan and what your yeah. bottom line figure is, what you're going to need to bring to cash. And you should know closing. all these numbers because they've been, you know, they've gone over this with you many times. Yeah. But uh, they've made this rule a couple of years ago that you have to receive this closing disclosure from the lender once the loan is approved. Then you have to wait three days before you can close that. And that's been kind of a pain. So it takes oh, yeah. some scheduling. Mm-hmm. And uh, and sometimes it, it that really becomes a problem, those three days, to be able to get your close on time and moved on time. Yeah. So we need to plan for that. Okay. So you, you've got an approval. You've signed the CD. We're going to set up uh, a time at the title company. As a buyer, it takes about 45 minutes. Kids are welcome. Uh, you go in there from, and by the way, 8.30 to 5.30. People ask, well, could they, <laughs> could we do this digitally? And unfortunately, we can't do digital signatures on the closing package. I wish we could. We can, but we don't. Let's put it that way. We have oh. the technology to do it, but they just don't do it. So don't ask, you know, 8 p.m. at night, can I come in or I'm working late? No, you got to meet that deadline, man. You got to meet that settlement deadline. And uh, about 45 minutes of signing, pretty relaxed environment. It's not you on one side of a table and the seller on another and you're exchanging documents. You're signing at a totally different time, totally different time. It happens in other states sometimes. But here yeah. in Utah, a lot, most closings we do are split closings. So mm-hmm. one title company is handling the seller's yeah. settlement. The other side is handling the buyer settlement. So okay. both parties need to go in and settle. Right. That's signing all of these yes. documents. Mm-hmm. We have some of our buyers want to have keys. Yeah. Where are the keys? Point. And they've got, you know, guys from the church and family members ready to load up their stuff right then. Yeah. That's not the case. So there's a little difference between settlement and closing, and just talk really quickly about the mechanics okay. of that when closing actually occurs. Okay, settlement is when you sign all the documents, and then it takes about 24 hours for all the documents to come together. And then the lender uh, sends over the funds that they've been putting together for you. And then the title company reconciles all those accounts. And when everything looks really good, they'll actually go down to the county and record it into your name. And then all the funds are dispersed to the appropriate parties. That's funding and recording. That's synonymous with closing. Sign one day, which is settlement. Fund and record the next. That's when you'll get keys. If you're cash... It funds and records the same day. Yep. Sometimes we can actually fund and record the same day, even with a loan. Yeah. But just be patient. Uh, there's so much stress that happens those last couple Very of days. Very stressful Because you're, you're planning to move out of one place yeah. and move into another. Yeah. And the seller has different ideas, too. And yeah. there's a lot that is, there's so many moving pieces. There really are. And that's where a good agent, where we're yeah. going to help you through that process. Yeah. So, uh Really good stuff, Justin. Um, probably some other things we could talk about. Sure. Uh, do you want to 
Do you have any any final comments on this process? I mean, this is obviously there's so much more going on uh, through this 30 to 35 day period that we're under contract. But uh, any other thoughts? I would just say we make this as easy as possible. And once in a while, we have a picture-perfect transaction, but they are, that's rare. That's more and on so the rare you, side. so you have to be one of those people, and in life you should be one of these people, that can deal with challenges and delays and other uh, things that might upset you and learn to work through those problems. And that's the kind of client that we love. And um, uh, so I think that's a really important mindset, is that these do not always go 100% perfectly. They don't. Maybe in my transactions, ninety-two percent perfectly. Yeah, but um, are, are there <laughs> things more? that you see anymore that you have not seen in the past? Once in a while, I mean, pretty twenty, rare, year, 20 years in real estate. I I never want to say that I've seen it all because I haven't. We haven't seen it all, but, but I've seen most of it. And so when these challenges come up, it's likely that we've dealt with this many, yeah. many times in the past. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what we're here to do is help you through that process. Well, I'm glad that you've stuck with us all this time. This is a little bit longer of a podcast, but I'm telling you, this is going to give you the confidence that you need to move uh, to move forward. And especially because we've talked a lot about making an offer and, and the contingencies that you have. As a buyer, you really are um, you're in a good position here in, in Utah real estate. And so I think you ought to be aggressively out there make, making offers and not being too scared and paralyzed to, to make an offer. We don't want that kind of paralysis to keep you from getting a really great deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, we hope this has been educational as we uh, meet with you and talk about your individual situations as we are out driving around looking at uh, properties together. We're going to do some more education. There'll be more questions that'll come up that we'll answer. Again, we're just all about educating you guys and making sure that you have a, a, the right expectations and the right information in your mind to make this a great process. Yeah. And one last point I want to make is, you know, this process, you know, we're interfacing with you daily for months at a time sometimes. Yeah. And we just, be, we just love our clients and yeah. we just become family with them. And so it's not like, hey, you've closed on a home and we're not going to ever see you again or talk to you again. We hope to hear from you, you and you should hear from, you'll hear from us. And we just feel like it's such a cool process to take somebody through. And we just bond. Yeah. And Jared and I love our clients, love yeah. our clients. So you're going to hear a lot from us. Yeah, it's pretty neat. We, we, we want to be your friend, not well, just your we do, and, and we, I just love it, and I can't tell you how many times this happened, when at the end of the, the transaction, I just really feel, and the, the, the client feels that that is that was the home they were yeah. supposed to get. And Great it's feeling. really neat to see how things, even with all the challenges and all the things that come up during the transaction, it's really neat to see them settle into a home that is where they're supposed to be. And I think that's pretty special. So I love being in that part of that process. So if you have an interest in uh, you know buying a home uh, or you know anybody who needs to buy a home, please call us. Uh, we'd be happy to help them. This is what we do. It's all we do. We love real estate. Tons of experience, obviously, as you guys can tell from our podcast and other podcasts that we know what we're talking about. And we're here to put our service and our expertise uh, to work for you. Let's go buy some real estate. All right.